Welcome back to another episode of Pewology. This is the show where the people in the pews get to weigh in, and this is our special series we've affectionately called Crackhead Chronicles, named by Axel's brother, we just found out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jean-Claude. Jean-Claude. Is that your brother's name? Yeah, I mean, I just know him as John. But... <laughs> <laughs> How do how do you how does he get a Jean Claude? So and you you're Axel. Uh, so Axel's my middle name. Helmuth. Helmuth. Oh, that's right. Helmuth oh, no. Axel Rush. But you said your Is dad, your dad, dad like German. Too, right? So yeah, they're they're Jew, German Jewish descent. You know. Okay. And um, during the Holocaust, from the story that I heard, my great grandparents migrated to Colombia. Okay. And the only they ha- the only thing they have from their merchant because they're all artists, right? Okay, like came from a long line of artists. They have a door that they hand carved that they came back. They they took the door off their 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 building or whatever, and took it with them. That's the only thing they took with them is That's just the door. The door, and they floated on the door to Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> they're like <laughs> all the way. They rode, they rode, rode, rode their even, boat. They didn't even have a paddle. They just used their hands. Like <laughs> <laughs> must be quite a door to take it with you from from yeah, Europe, it's a huge door. South America. Yeah. They still have it. They still have it in Colombia. Well, my great, uh, uh, my grandfather, he still has it. It you has brush heard, right on. You should have heard this story. Like you weren't here when. One week it was just me and him. We were talking. He tells this story about his dad and his dad's girlfriend and like. Oh, yeah. He gets like half. Did you hear this? No. He gets halfway through the story. Like he tells this whole thing. He's dating this younger girl, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, and she's in a wheelchair. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? And she like Open scoots around that. on her hands. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what? I'm like, you have to tell me more. And like, we went this whole trip on this girl in the wheelchair. It was crazy. Yeah. Kind of like a <laughs> captive audience there, your father had. <laughs> that's, a, that's wrong. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Captain what? Captive, Captive audience. Captive audience she's got uh, in the chair. That's cold. Yeah. Um, I spoke. I heard him speak to his dad once. His dad's really? a character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, you saw the remember the video that I showed you? Like he has like he's dressed up like some like like rabbi or something like that. Yeah. And then but he's like he has like a Saudi Arabia music going on. And he's just like no, no. Money. He, was, he was dressed like uh, he was dressed like an Arab sheik. An and, Arab and sheik, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's like he's like a, you, you were saying he's like a con man. He does, does all yeah. these like <laughs> video con stuff. Yeah, like send me money for the secret recipe to the girlfriend. Yeah, or get the, your lover bag. You know, you gotta yeah. like have seven photos, cut them out, put them in your underwear. You know. What? <laughs> 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 but I'm just always amazed that like when he tells me the story, I'm like. There probably is somebody out there Him. who has this routine, and there's 25, I don't know, 50 not people the only one. There's sending a, them money. There's a whole market for that. It's not just him. There's a whole market because, like, when he was showing me, he was showing me a lot of different people who are doing that, you know? Who were selling tricks to either get their lover back or... Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I think it is? Think about this. You, you ever had, like, a... You ever had, like, in your life... You look back on your relationships, and you ever had a relationship go, go bad? Like you have a girl oh. leave, somebody cheated on you, whatever it was. Somebody you really loved. What was your first love? Adina Harris, okay. 1992. How did it break? How did it fall apart? She dumped me. Okay, but that feeling you had that first week after that? First week, that lasted two years, that feeling. <laughs> that wasn't a one-week feeling. But you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yes. The intensity of that feeling, Yes, you'd pay any amount of money to solve that. 
any amount. And that's where he comes in, right? Like he hits you at that moment where you're so weak, you're like, if I put the pictures in my underwear, I'm going to get her back. If I just pray this prayer or do this ritual. Oh, I got to send him 500 bucks? Uh, Done. Done. I'll do that. I want him back in a week. You're at the slow point. That's going to be about a thousand, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would have paid back then if I had your dad and I was 18 years old and, and he had and Adina Harris just like, left me. I would have been you. putting Adina's pictures in my underwear yeah. and dancing around, sending him 500 bucks if it would have helped. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like a rain dance. It'd be like a rain dance. People yeah. will pay for you anything. you do anything. Guaranteed. Do anything to... to, 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 to um, that pain, that pain <laughs> yeah. of that first love, like gone. I mean, it's just brutal, yeah. right? From this love doctor. Guaranteed. <laughs> Columbia, and you have to send it to some some random name. That's your dad's on drugs too, then, right? Of course, like yeah. The first, <laughs> like the first week, like I remember, I was like so when I first went over there was because I wanted to get away from it all, right? Like I wanted to get away from like the access, right? But I'm like, you know, in Colombia, I mean, and I know in the back of my mind, I'm like, eventually, we're drug addicts. We can find it anywhere. I was like, eventually, I'm going to run into the right person. But Colombia is like the yeah, capital like of cocaine. You, you wanted less access, so you moved to, to where Columbia? it's like $20 for a kilo of cocaine, and everybody's got it. Like, well, not everybody does have it over yeah. there. Like I mean, you, it was offered to me within you know minutes, well, minutes you, of me getting there. Okay, you know? well, you went yeah. to uh, probably the tourist area. I was uh-huh. going to like the jungle, like, I, like literally off the side of a mountain. Right. So like when you're pretty rural. Yeah, when he told me, like he's like, look, if you want to get away from all that, I live here in this little village. Like technically, where there, there's only one school in the whole village, and it's like all grades, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's literally like less than 300 people that live there, you know. So he's like, where you teach, where you can learn incantations for getting your exes back. Yeah, in that school, like, that's probably. Yeah, where you're not, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna teach enough. you how to video out. I'm gonna teach you how to con people, and um, you can. You know, just get away from all that, you know. Like, like I left you when you were three. You know, you turned out just fine. I'm like, yeah, that adds up. <laughs> does he believe his own cons every now and then? Like, does he? do you think mentally he believes, like, that I, he's trying to help people? No, I believe he's not. Nah, he's just come. Nah, he he doesn't. He knows he's just um, can't. If you saw him dressed as an Arab sheik and throwing around money, you know, <laughs> then you'd be like, this guy, yeah, but why? Just, he, I don't know. I don't know. It was just some random video. He's like, look, look at my dad, and he's got, <laughs> he's got the thing on the head. He's got a full he's beard. Got, yeah, like, yeah. It was really. Yeah. I don't know where I didn't get the beard, but yeah. I feel like he's got to be somewhat smart to be able to calm people. Like oh, that, he's so. yeah. He's extremely smart. He's just smart for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's focused his energy on the wrong thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of Colombians, though. Like most of <laughs> like the whole nation, like, the whole nation, the whole, the, the whole country. Like literally, like that wasn't racist. Like, I'm telling you, like, um, you know how, like, when did I? T- I don't know if we talked about it before, but like, um, Colombians. You know when they first came out with the new twenty dollar bill? Okay. It was the first one that, like, that how they changed the, uh-huh. everything. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Here so, in the United States. Yeah, yeah. 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 With you the strip, you remember? The, the, okay, the in a week, Colombians had millions. <laughs> In a week, they were like, "You can never duplicate this." In a week, Colombians had millions, and they were like, "They they had gotten found out, and you couldn't even tell the difference." Really, you know? All right, so let's shift gears. Um, at the church, I was telling you, we're doing a little series. We're calling this 12 Steps for Everyone," and we're basically going through each of the twelve steps. We're pulling out the principle that undergirds those steps, and we're comparing it to 
um, the connections that it would ta- it would have in either the Torah or in the New Testament, right? And so we're we're looking at like so for example, right? If you would if you pulled out the principle of of humility from, uh, you know, or from, or acceptance from step two or from, you know, confession from four or five, you know what I'm saying? All these kind of things. We're looking at it that way. Does that make sense? And so we're, we're starting into step one this week. We did a little intro talk. We're starting to step one this week. Um, if you had to summarize step one, cause every, everybody that I've listened to says, this is the hardest step. Step one's the hardest step. That's what everybody says. And when I say everybody, the 25 people that I've listened to on YouTube says step one, that initial like crossing that bridge, getting to that place, accepting that first lo- that first it's step. It's the most important one. Most Okay, most important. It's the one that they say you need to practice perfectly every day, day in, day out. Okay. It's because you know? every other step has a direct correlation with step one. Okay. Because – I mean, so, do you, so you're asking a general question. How can I'm I saying, I'm, well, let's let's start with this. So, t- let's for the people that are listening to this that have no clue what step one is. Let's tell them what step one is. The act, like the actual step, the A term, the A okay. term step. Okay, and then let's talk, and then let's th- let's take let's start there. All right. So, like, if I were to meet somebody who's never had anybody and like has any idea of step one, right? I'm like, all right. I tell them my experience. Wait, wait, say the step. Yeah, step step. one. All right. I mean, we were powerless over alcohol or whatever it is. Yeah. And that our lives had become unmanageable. And the principle behind the step. So there's there's A and B to step one. Okay, hold on, hold on. Admit that we are powerless over alcohol or it could be gambling, sex addiction, whatever it is, shopping, whatever. And that our lives have become unmanageable. Yeah, there's a dash. There's a dash. So like... The difference between um, what separates the the two, right, mm-hmm. is because like with or without my life had become unmanageable. So like, okay, so no, said said it again. Let's go slow because I'm not picking up what you're saying. Okay, so st- let's do the first part. Okay, first half. All right, I'm powerless over uh, for um, drugs. Admitted drugs we were powerless I- over alcohol. Right, and then there's a hyphen. Got it. Between that and our lives. All right. So whenever we talk, we talk about powerlessness, right? Right. Like, how do I ask people? How do you think you're powerless? How do you think you were powerless to whatever brought you here to this rehab? And they're like, oh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stop using. I'm like, do you know why? And they're like, uh, they, nobody knows. This is what I wanted to talk about. Nobody knows why. Right. I'm like, all right. So the there's a doctor's opinion in there, right? Right. And it talks about a physical allergy. Right. Right. And our bodies. Physically are maladjusted to it wasn't that we're maladjusted to life, it's just that we're allergic to that drug. Okay. Right? Not like an allergy to where I'm gonna swell up abnormally is a manifestation uh, manifestation of craving. Right? right. So my whenever I consume anything, my body physically craves more. Yeah. So like nothing else matters. It, like I literally would rob my mom right. for this because my body craves it. Once I consume it, I need right. more. More and, and let's, let's so let's hit the pause button there, right? Because this is an interesting side note, especially if you're listening to this and you're not an addict. Um, Bill Wilson and Alcoholics Anonymous are are really they're 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 um, attributed with doing something really revolution revolutionary at the time. So in the 1930s, they're the first people that stepped up and said, "Hey, this is a uh, not just like a chemical a choice. Or this is this is an actual." 
a disease. They're the first ones to use disease language. Disease as a model for, for this. Yes. And they're the first one Dr. to use. Dr. M.D. Silkworth. Yeah. They're the first ones to use that. They're the first ones to canonize that language, right? And make that language mainstream. Where up until that point, people thought of like uh, someone that was misusing alcohol as just a bump. Like just yeah, a, yeah just like a bump. an issue of will. Or yes, just completely meant, through the lens of will. Or more, there's a moral component here, right. and you know you're not morally exactly. you're morally bankrupt. Right. They also you. just so, considered them mentally ill. Yeah. You know, and locked them up in the same asylum. Right. Back in the day, and they they didn't look at it through the lens of like a medical condition, which is exactly what you're saying, right? That that yeah. that there's a medical condition component to what's going on. Yeah. Right. Can I read this one portion yeah, right here? Sure. All right. So it's on XX. V-I-I-I, doctor's opinion. At the top, the first full paragraph, it says, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the al- the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to that to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic type can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed a habit and found it cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence or reliance upon things uh, human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Right? Yeah. Frothy emotional appeal seldom, seldom suffices. This message, which can interest and hold these chronic uh, these alcoholic people, must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they were to recreate their lives. That's not Bill Wilson. That's right. Doctor. That's, that's, that's the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think I, I think that's interesting, right? That that I think nowadays we look at it through the lens of like, well, duh, everybody knows that today. Yeah, but for then that was groundbreaking. No, but there's nobody still... knows that today because oh. well, drug addicts don't know. They're like they just. Oh, maybe. They, okay, I see what you're saying from that perspective. I'm saying from my perspective, yeah. from an Al-Anon perspective, from a person who's deal who's who knows an addict. Well, look, look we wouldn't just go. Just... Well, this person's just a bump. Look at those people who say that as, as an illness. It's, oh, just choose not to. Just stop. Yeah, you, yeah. Okay. And they think they want to. And they're like, oh, we're our choice is to like we're going to continue to do this. I'm, I'm like, okay, if I really had a choice on whether I was going to do this or not, right? Right. You think I wouldn't want to? Like, you think I want to be homeless? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Who wants to be homeless? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I think. I think that. When we talk about step one, the reason Axel brings up the doctor's opinion is that it's sort of the pre-step one to understanding what step one is. Mm. And before, you know, it's very easy many times when we we get drunk or we get high and then we come back and say, oh, my God, I got to stop this. It's very easy at that point when you're at a bottom. And I'm sure it's the same for a person in the church who's struggling with something Less destructive, yeah. but still struggling with it. So yeah. Let's say porn. Oh my God, my wife found it, and oh, I gotta yeah. stop. I gotta stop. Yeah. And so it's very easy at that point to say I'm powerless over this. God, Jesus, yeah. Buddha, whoever it is, please help me with this. Right. My life is unmanageable because of this. But then something happens, like a week or two, or a month, two months later. Suddenly they haven't been doing that, and suddenly they say, "You know what? I think I'm okay, yeah. and uh, I'm gonna do that thing again." Yeah. And and so, the reason we we learn about what the doctor's opinion is at this point in yeah. the book is because it sort of prefaces how we're gonna look at step one, and it tells you, "Hey, you're not just sick. You know, you're not just a, a bum." But you do have a disease, you do have a problem, and that problem is physical, 
but there's another component. There's, there's of it. also mental. And the point of the doctor's opinion is the doctor's saying like, we don't know shit about this. Yeah. And we've been toiling at this for decades, if not thousands of years right. as medical professionals trying to treat this. And really we haven't gotten anywhere, yeah. but the people who do have a different component to look at and that's a spiritual malady. So the doctor's introducing can I, can something. I no. Well, hold on. Like, can, right. can, let's talk about, I, I, we'll get to it, I promise. But right. this is so interesting because, so I'm going to tell you what I listen to, right? I'm going to tell you what this, I was listening to a bunch of different people articulate step one, right? Because you can, uh, you pull up YouTube today and there's like, Every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Unlimited. Yeah, unlimited Chris Raymer, Mark Houston, those two right there. Are the best? Send them to me. I'll listen to them. I got you. But I was listening to one, and this one caught me, man. It hit me right in the face, and I was like, that is the perfect way for for someone who doesn't have this to understand this, and it's the perfect way to uh, connect it to the deeper spiritual meaning, right? And so tell me if this connects for you. She said, um, the problem with – the main function that has to happen in step one is the understanding that – the it's an articulation of an answer to the problem mm-hmm. that when person comes in for the first time and they're getting ready to take step one that she's asking hey w- you know what do you think the problem is why are you here and she says every person that comes in always says well alcohol is my problem or drugs are my problem and they and she says that's not your problem Solution. That's your solution, and you got to figure out what the problem is. So, what is the problem? And I was like, dude, that is perfect. Like, I was like, boom, that is a perfect way to explain it, right? Right, right? That you've got this deeper spiritual problem, this deeper thing going on in you, this whole, and you've tried to fill it with this. It's right. become your whatever, That's whatever why word it, you want to use. You, your north, your god, your thing, your idol, whatever it is, right? I don't know how you want to word that, but That's I was like, why Man. there's um the second part to step one, right? And that our life had become unmanageable, right? Because Drugs help me manage my life. Yeah. You know? Right. And then, like, when you when we come in, it's like it comes to – we came to a point where it's no longer helping us manage our life. Yeah. You know? I don't think a lot of people get it because you, you said it like – you've articulated – I think the phrase you've used a bunch of times, and maybe it's just a phrase that gets happened, it happens in AA, and I don't hear it a lot. But I, when I heard it from you, I was like, oh, okay. You kept calling. I had to have a spiritual awakening. Had to have a spiritual awakening. That's what we chase in this. Yeah. Book. That's what, yeah. as a matter of fact, it says, that's what this book is all about. Right. You know, it actually says that in print. That's yeah. what this book is all about. Yeah. Getting a spiritual awakening. Yeah. Chapter to the agnostic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's a, it's a threefold, a threefold illness is what they call it. Okay. Like mental, physical, and spiritual. But when, when somebody first comes in, like you, you can't. Tell them that, you know, like <laughs> you, you, you just can't because you have to be first, you have to be first convinced. Like once you're like, all right, so you, you had the same allergy as me, right? Mm-hmm. All right. You can't manage your life, right? Right. All right. So then let's look at how you're crazy. <laughs> because like telling somebody that they're crazy, right? Right up front is a, a tough is, sell. That's a, a tough sell. Yes, of course. <laughs> or let, let's say they're not and crazy. That, how about yeah. just telling them, hey, um, you know, welcome back to the world. You just got out of treatment. Yeah. 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 And uh, let's talk about now how you're spiritually sick. Yeah. You know, and most people will be like, what's spiritually the, sick? Like, like, what's yeah. wrong with you? I don't you? have a spiritual, you know, I don't have a God problem. I have an alcohol problem. I right. have a drug problem, you know? And it's very hard, at least it was for me, very difficult to make that connection. Like, oh, that's what's missing? That side? Like that dimension is is what I've been missing, and that's why I can't get sober. Wow. You know, yeah. and it's and, also like what's more difficult too is those people who already have their relationship with God, right? And they're like, "Well, I know the the Bible inside and out, right, you know. Right. But I have how, religion. How, so, how come I yeah. cannot like, you know, apply it? Yeah. You know, yeah, 
No, that's a good point. Yeah, they're almost worse off. Yeah, because they've yeah they have to they've unlearn themselves that they are spiritual. Right, even right. though that they're obviously con- they're they that, that hasn't they're, been the answer. Their that's conception right. of God is uh, is you know I don't know different than well a lot. Think about it. Most people like think about what most people's spirituality is. Some, a lot of people. I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people got handed spirituality from a parent. Right, or they grew up in a certain either faith line or or community or culture, and it was like, oh, this is our faith, right? Most Catholics that I know, that's how they talk, right? It's like, it's like I'm like, what are you? And they're like, I'm Catholic. I'm like, when's the last time you've been in church? Like, never. Yeah, a lot of Jews are that. (laughs) I'm like, what what, what kind of faith is this, right? Like, they're like, well, I just that's my parents. My parents for them. My parents for them. So we just call ourselves Catholic every now and then. Some Jews clubs. I'm a secular Jew. Secular Jew or cultural Jew, right? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not real spiritual life. That's just that's like spiritual heritage, or that's like a spiritual community, or that's like something cultural, right? right totally. But that's not. And I think a lot of people think of their faith that way. I think they're they get to, they're like, "What are you talking about? I got faith," and you're like, "Really? Yeah." You know, and it, you know, it's also like it's uh, very um, concerning. Is like when I when I got exposed to different types of religion, like Catholicism, right? Right. Uh, one, I was in jail one one time. This guy was like pre- preaching like about like how I would go to hell. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'm supposed to be, I'm like, good or I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm going to go to hell. I'm like, yo, I'm like, you know what? F it. You know, I'm going to hell. Yeah, I'm already going. I'm going. Yeah. You know, like, um, or like, I'm like, I'm supposed to live up to this certain standards. And then like, when, when I hear you preach and talking about like, uh, being convinced that like those commandments were set in place for me to understand where I don't measure up and where I need God in my yeah. life, yeah. you know? Yeah. Okay. So let me spin it. Let me spin it. Back. Let's okay. Let's go. Let's go back. Let's go back. So if somebody comes in and you're trying, this is a new person. They're looking for a sponsor. You're you're taking them through the steps. Uh, what would be the first thing that you would like? What would be the first thing you would go to? So the first thing, um, at the very beginning, right? Right. I just share my experience. I'm like, look, I'm I'm allergic because of um, I'm powerless over the amount I'm gonna take whenever I do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like my my life had become unmanageable, mm-hmm. right? In this aspect, I'm you know obviously crazy because I'm, a sane person would be like, you know what? I'm allergic to bananas. I'm never gonna eat bananas again, right? You know, or I'm allergic to peanuts. I'm never gonna eat peanut butter. But my mind will say, you know what? Maybe peanut butter will work. <laughs> you know, maybe almond milk would be okay. Yeah. You know, that in that aspect, you know, switching from one drug to the other, mm-hmm. one addiction to the other, in that right. aspect, I'm just, you know, conv- I'm crazy. I'm conv- yeah. uh, like just in that aspect of yeah. my life. So then I have to be convinced that God or whatever power, good orderly direction, yeah. God, yeah. right? That's what I'm like. Use God as good orderly direction that this is going to help me be like, all right, that's fire. Let me not jump in the fire. Right. You know, so... I'm convinced of that. Okay, so go back to like the, what you two are saying and help me understand, because at the beginning I'll go to how it works. Okay, so you go you go to I the go, more practical at the beginning instead of like addressing the spiritual component right up front. Well, well like, we are like doing going to straight how it works is com- addressing this. So like, I'm just saying, how do you get to the point where where the person that's coming in for the first time realizes what you just said, which is uh, alcohol is not my problem. It's the thing I've been using to solve my problems. Yeah, it's a great question. How do you bridge that gap? How do you bridge that? Right. So, and for most people who are coming in for the so right, first time. Right here, like, all right. So <laughs> we, 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 we do it. Uh, I skip to how it works. I'm like, all right. So the whole point of doing this, I'm like, if you're convinced that you're like me, yeah. all right, 
You're convinced of A, that we're alcoholic and couldn't manage your, your own life. Can, are you convinced? Yeah. <laughs> All right. That probably no human power could relieve you of alcohol, your alcoholism. Okay. All right. You convinced? Yeah. All right. Are you convinced that God can and, and will if you seek him? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right. So being convinced, we are at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to care of God as we understood him. Okay. You know, like. So you fast forward through the steps. You because, go one, two, three, right, right so, out the bat. So the reason why, right, is because um, when we get to, uh, I always skip all this and go straight to here. I'm like, all right. So um, for, from its, um, resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From its stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we have not been only been mentally and physically ill. We have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So, some a lot of drug addicts and drunks, like I've noticed, don't like to read. Right. For one, can't comprehend what they're reading when they're reading. That's nice. that's because we're in Kissimmee. That's <laughs> <laughs> not everybody. Not, not everybody has an education like you. Uh, <laughs> not, just say, just just say when we're in Kissimmee, this, it's a little this different. This particular episode, oh, well, I've been, I've been around. <laughs> we're in like, Kissimmee. We bring a dictionary. I've been, no, I've been around the United States. Audio books. I've, I've audio books. Sponsored books, people. I sponsored people in St. Louis, Arizona, okay, Michigan, you're uh, in Idaho, Cali, you know, I, um, Delaware. New okay, York. okay, you know okay. I mean? Maybe it's a. Maybe but it's I feel like thing. if people aren't re- even willing to read the book, they're probably not going to do the rest of the steps. Yeah. Chances are. Yeah, so, sure. but the thing is, is that, all right, I'm convincing them that, like, all right, if I, so, like, uh, I listened to Chris Raymer, right? And he, he talked about his, like, um, little way of getting him into doing step four without them realizing, right? I'm like, look, this is all you got to do. Write a little list of people you're mad at or you've ever been mad at. You ever been mad at anybody? All right, write a list of that. And then you just kind of like course them into doing it, right? And then by the time they're at like six and seven, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, they've already been, their spiritual maladies already been relieved enough to where you, their their minds are open up. And like, I, I had comprehension issues my whole life, right? right? I still have issues with reading certain times, right? right? But I know this book, right? Right. So then... I tell them, I'm like, whenever you have the time, go back and read certain things so you can understand. And like, I've had a lot more success like that yeah. than I have. Having but how about, but how about you? Yeah. Do you look at it differently? You, to- I look at it. Okay. Oh, not totally. I, I, what Axel is saying is certainly valid, but there's so many different ways to do it. To do it. Yeah. 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 There's not just one way yeah. to do it. The way it was done with me okay. required a few things. It required me to hit a, my head against the wall so many times that I was left with no other solution other than the one you guys are telling me. Uh, so if you guys are telling me, okay, you, you need a spiritual awakening and uh, you got a spiritual malady and spiritual, 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 they're throwing the word spiritual out me so many times from so many different sponsors in so many different groups that finally I was like, I guess it, I guess it is a spiritual. Wow. Man, maybe I should just try this because this is like- You the, exhausted the option. I really, <laughs> when they say AA was the last house on the block, spirituality <laughs> for me was the last house on the block because okay. I tried everything else. Okay. You know, we tried medicine, we tried the gym, we tried yeah. know, new locations, yeah. getting married, getting divorced, having children, getting rid of children, you know, whatever it yeah. is that you can try other than spirituality, because I was a card carrying Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster atheist. Right. right? Yeah. You know the no, Church I, of the I, Flying I, Spaghetti yeah, Monster? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So it would have been very difficult yeah. for me to comprehend or even understand because I had no experience in the spiritual realm whatsoever. Right. I thought it was a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. But the way they did it was besides throwing the word spiritual, I mean, you need a spiritual awakening. We're sober because of the spirituality side of it. Besides that, a sponsor sat me down and took me through the doctor's opinion. 
And the doctor's opinion presents a model whereby he explained to me my behavior. Mm. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. He said to me, hey, you got an allergy. You have an allergy to heroin. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean an allergy to heroin? He goes, well, That's listen. That's why we went to you know, the doctor's yeah. opinion Paris at first. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know. He's, he explained it to me this way. Every time you do heroin, it's a different reaction than most people. When you do heroin, you want to keep doing heroin nonstop until you burn your life down. Yeah. Right? But other people, they might do heroin and they are disgusted by it. They yeah. don't want to touch it. And I thought about it. I was like, you know, I've seen okay. my wife. I've seen my wife get a prescription for Vicodin, right. which is basically yeah. heroin in a pill. Sure. And um, she takes one or two. She had a surgery actually a couple months ago. Yeah. So she got Vicodin again. She takes one. And then maybe she'll take one as prescribed, maybe eight hours later. Yeah. And then she'll say, oh, these things are disgusting. I hate them. Oh, my God. You know, I'd just rather deal with my yeah. pain. And then she'll throw them out. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, how the hell did you just throw out a bottle of Vicodin? <laughs> and then I think about alcohol. You know, if I drink alcohol, yeah. I have a very normal reaction to alcohol. I'll get drunk. I'll have, you know, maybe two or three yeah. drinks. And, and then I'll be like, okay, no more of this. Right. You know, I, I don't want any more. That's a normal reaction to yeah. alcohol. It's to have your fill. And then, uh, yeah. okay, I want to put this away. I don't want any more of that. Right. So the first thing I had to understand is that I have an allergy to my drug of choice, right. heroin. And if I do so much as the tiniest amount, I trigger that allergy and now I, I cause craving. Yeah. All right. Now, once I understand all that, now I can go into step one and understand that I'm powerless over my drug yeah. and that my life is unmanageable. But in the beginning, you know, Axel was talking about the deeper meaning of unmanageability. Yeah. The deeper meaning of unmanageability is that even when we're not on our drug, there's still an issue, right? Yeah. The drug is the simple yeah, The drug is, yeah. yeah. Right? But, yeah. but in the beginning, you're too stupid to understand that when you're coming in. No, you just think unmanageability it's just the drug. Is like, Unmanageability is like, yeah, I crashed my car and yeah, I can't well, make I my bills. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know. Like, I, you know how I get over that? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go get high. You know, like I'm Get mad. over what? Yeah. Or I'm mad at this girl or whatever. I'm right. going to get high. Whatever my boss problems me. are, yeah, I'm right. solving I'm, them with drugs. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go get high. That's This will make me feel better. Yeah. The spiritual yeah. principle behind step one is honesty. And so in the beginning, the honesty means, okay, yes, honestly, my life is really down the shitter and I cannot manage it anymore because of my drug that I'm powerless over. What if I said it this way? If I said it this way, would this ring true in in the way you heard it, right? Mm -hmm. If I said, hey, is it possible that the unmanageability is that our lives lack meaning and purpose and value and we're seeking to find those things. And when we can't, we're miserable. And when we reach that level of miserability, we're then filling it with very, very perverted things, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's- Here's the way, here's the way I've heard it succinctly. Yeah. We have a God-sized hole and we're trying to yeah. fill it with yeah. things that- can't. Okay. We're trying to that's have not, same. I, I, that was even more religious than I wanted to use, but I, I agree with you 100. Yeah, I yeah. think that's true. We're right. trying to have a synthetic spiritual experience. Well, it, this drugs is, and that's, that's the my favorite description these days. I read that in a book. Yeah, there's this uh, rabbi. I think I mentioned before. His name is Shai Tab, and he writes a book called um, uh, "God of Our Understanding," and it's Jewish perspective on the twelve yeah. steps. And what he talks about is how. By using our drug of choice or by using alcohol, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, what we're doing is synthetically having a spiritual experience. Yeah. And what we don't know how to do is have that same spiritual experience the authentic way right. with our higher power. 100%. And then how do you work with somebody who Dude, can be me, honest with themselves? Sure. It's awesome. Well, okay. Let me, let me, let me spin it for you one more time because let, let, me, let, me, let me spin it back to you one more time with a problem. So I listened to um, 
I read a I read an article and then listened to t- a speech and an interview with the writer. I, I can't remember her name right off the top of my head. I'll find it. But she wrote an article in the Atlantic, and it was like big deal, highly praised. And it was basically like I think the title of it was like the false gospel of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was this kind of like critique review of Alcoholics Anonymous and how that it's archaic and it's not a scientific answer and it's not this and it's not that. And it's this, it's basically this religious cult, blah, blah, blah. Was she alcoholic? She uses alcohol, but it was interesting. She, she's, you know, but it was, here's the funny thing. This is, I, I, I am not in the program. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've been an Al-Anon, you know, I've been a a tender at Al-Anon, but I've not, I'm not in the program actively using the 12 steps. But even as I heard her talk, I was like, oh, she, she, she missed step one. Step one is this whole thing is built on there's a problem bigger than my drug. If you only looked at it through the lens of the drug is my problem, then you're right. AA is not the answer, right? right. Because the whole thing is not about just it. it it's the shift in thinking of You could just the quit drug. doing drugs and everything right. will be okay. Right. And so they're like, you go get a doctor, you go get a counselor, you'll go get this new medicine, you go get this new thing. And all of it just to stop the drug use as if that would be the answer. Right. <laughs> but you'd be left with you with the God-shaped holes. <laughs> yeah. right. Does that make sense? God's That's holes. how totally. I knew I, totally. like I had a problem this time because I stop. When I, whenever I stop, I feel worse and I get worse and I get sicker, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I get more miserable. Until I use it. That's where it said, it said, like, our problems pile up on us and become astonishingly difficult to solve. So, like, it literally right there in, in the doctor's opinion, it says, like, our problems. So, saying that the drugs isn't our or alcohol isn't our problem. Yeah. You know? That yeah. author for that Atlantic piece, yeah. she's right on the money for everybody who is trying to get sober are, with any way other than dependent. the spiritual. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. You know, like, and, yeah. and so I was where she is. Uh, I got you. You know, many, many times. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there's a medication that yeah. you can take that will. She was going over. There were names for it, like the generic name for the for the for the family of drugs. Mm-hmm. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but it basically lowers the craving, right? Yeah. Well, by by blocking it. So, yeah. like, there's they're called antagonists. Yes, there you go. Right? Got and it. these antagonists they block the effect of your drug. Yeah. She was basically touting that as like a, be- a better a answer, wonder. a scientific answer. And I was like, yeah, if the problem is just the drug use. Right. As what's if promoting could, the drug use? Right. It, like if I could <laughs> vaccinate myself right. yes. from all drug use, yeah. I would still be looking for something and eventually find, find something. Find something to eventually. fill that hole. So there's, yeah. a, a, there's a jaywalker That's, story, right? Okay. It, do you know about the? Have you read the Jaywalker? I don't story? think I don't think I've read the Jaywalker story. So, <laughs> so, so it's basically so the Jaywalker story. I think you're about to hear about the Jaywalker story. I'm, I'm like I'm just gonna tell you about the. Jaywalker okay, tell story. me the Jaywalker right. story. So imagine somebody who says, "All right, I like jaywalking," you know. Yeah. And then because it it eliminates drug use or alcohol. Okay. You know, and then like jaywalking. They, they get happy. You know, they, okay. they, it's like, oh, you know what? This makes me feel good. Right. Right. They're like a serial yeah. rule breaker. Yeah. Serial jaywalking. Dopamine but from the first time he gets hurt, he's like, all right, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna lay off the jaywalking. All right. Then by he hurt, doesn't he's hit by a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's hit by a car. Then you know he's like, two weeks later, he does it again. Yeah. And gets and then he ends up in the hospital and breaks his back. Right. Yeah. And he's like, all right. I'm convinced I'm never going to do this again. I'm never. As soon as he gets out, he races in front of a fire engine. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's the insanity. Of, 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 of just know. filling that. You cannot fill that hole. A You've got to have that dopamine hit. You've got. Yeah. 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 That's a why. I, I just. Yeah. 
That's such a deep principle to that that's so spiritually connected. And the honesty component for me is being being able to admit to yourself that hole is there. Yeah, but you know, the thing is that if you're on step one, okay. let's say for the first time, right. doing it in earnest, like, all right, I'm giving up, I'm yeah. going to do whatever you guys tell me yeah. to do. It's very likely that you're not, and it, this is certainly my case, that you're not in any way perceiving what the issue is. You're just being told, hey, what you need to have is a spiritual awakening. Now, I have no idea what that means, what right. that looks like, what that feels like, but if I do these steps as a result of them, yeah. I'll have that spiritual awakening. Okay. So at step one, we're not saying, hey, you know. You have the spiritual awakening. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I haven't had the spiritual awakening yet. Yeah. I'm just sitting here saying, all right, I'm going to screw up. This is going to yeah. I'm ready to try some new stuff. Yeah. And I can be honest. But in I was my interested life. in how many people said that step one was about identifying what the real problem was. Not that they solved the problem, but identifying that the problem wasn't just the drug. That the yeah. problem was deeper yeah. than the drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a manageability of your life. Yeah. You know, you think you can manage your life by using drugs. Yeah. You know, or by, all right, so let me, oh, I'm going to go use the gym. Oh, I'm going to go to Columbia. Like, <laughs> so, like, basically, we've been on step one this whole podcast. Yeah. You know, like, with our experiences, we've been displaying how one, two, and three have manifested in our lives. Right. You know, like, if if you've been listening and, like, you've heard all the the experiences that we've been talking about, each one of those experiences brought us to step one. Right. You know, our power showed us our powerlessness, like, our lives, how it was, what it was like, you know, and then we, we're, we've been sharing kind of how how it's like now, but we haven't, you know, we, we, we realized that. Do you do you see the connections as a as a as a Christian? Do you see the connections to from step one to the gospel? Is it is it is it pretty clear to you? Did it pop out to you? What what happened? Okay, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So you tell me. Yeah. So the big book calls it defects of character right. in Christianity or religion. We call it sin. Yeah. Okay. You know, is how you want to look at it. Yeah. But um, you know, not only. Basically, what we end up finding now is not only I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol, and my life is unmanageable because I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol, but my life is also unmanageable because I'm selfish and I'm self-centered to the core, yeah. or because I'm really sinful, extremely sinful by nature or whatever. Um, and then, so I and then I learned that I'm powerless over my defects of character or sin, whatever or you want to call it, self. Yeah, so, so that's I a, need God's that's help to get rid of, of that too. So there's two step ones, right? Like first is the drug and alcohol. Mm -hmm. Then once you get past all that, and how how do, how does one go through the steps again if they've already been through the steps once before, right? You realize how much you're just powerless. You know, you just take eliminate everything. You know, eliminate self. All that. you just I'm powerless. Yeah, and my life is unmanageable. Yeah. You know? the, and it's funny because like, um, so quick, quick run through history. Okay. So you've got out of, uh, out of Judaism comes what is, what's first thought of as a sect of Judaism, which is Christ and his followers. Right. And then that ultimately comes institutionalized into what modern day people would look at as the the church, many times the Catholic church, and then out of the Catholic church, there's these branches that happen like the Eastern Orthodox. I'm reading a guy right now that's Eastern Orthodox. And then out of East, out of those two branches comes Protestants, and Protestants, you have these, these big key figures, Calvin and Luther and all these people. And they have this phrase. They have this phrase in, in German and in Latin, um, 
that what happens with with a person in their life, every person goes through this, is that sin makes them curve in on themselves. That that's what sin does is like they call it incurvaceous C. And so it's like you curve in and all you can see is you because you're obsessed with you. So right. And here's that's the thing. And I hear addicts talk this way and I'm always like, like you turn in and all you can see is you and you don't care who you step on. You don't care who you hurt. You don't care how it affects anybody. At some point, it becomes so unmanageable that you're willing to trample on everybody else. Right. Because all you're doing is consumed with whatever pain, whatever problem, whatever need, whatever fulfillment, whatever next fix you're looking for. Yeah. Curved yeah. in on yourself. Yeah. Curved in. And, and it doesn't even have to be that you're hurting other people around. You could be the most generous guy in the world, like take your shirt off yeah. your back type of guy, yeah. but you're still wrapped up in self. You. Yeah. And being wrapped up in self can be benign for the world around me, but I'm still in yeah. this head yeah. and just thinking about myself yeah. and my needs. And, and there's such a component of lack of awareness you know, there's such a component of lack of awareness when we're stuck in our ego. Yeah. And um, can you read that highlighted portion? Okay. Now you got me reading. Yeah. <laughs> Great. You should probably read better than me. <laughs> <laughs> we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problem the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with the personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional nature. Uh, we were... We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Um, was not a basic solution of these uh, bedevilments. Bedevilments. Wow. I haven't. I, that's like a King James word right there. Bedevilments uh, more important than whether we should see new reels of lunar fights flight what is that flights they're talking about going to the moon oh (laughs) so like having the solution to those problems right was more important than because in that time it was like when they were going to the moon and they were like who cares about like everybody's like oh look we had just stepped on you know um this is a chapter to the agnostics and and it's a commentary on you know on on bedevilments versus how important it is to find scientific solutions. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think that I think that that picture of like turned in on ourselves, and that you have to be rescued from that. Like that's the spiritual component. Like you got to get rescued out of that. Like something from the outside of you, because you're all you're doing is focused on you. Something outside of you has to. There's a that right. The problem can't come. The problem yeah. can't be solved from you. You, because you're, you know, you're turned like, in on you. You've deposited yourself in this situation, <laughs> yeah. and you think you're going to be the one that's going to pull you out. Yeah. I think, like, and the whole point like, of step one <laughs> is to reduce us to a state of complete hopelessness, right. right? Or complete defeat is what it's in the twelve and twelve in step one. Yeah. And without that realization or acceptance or whatever you call it, um, we're probably not going to do. We're not going to be open minded to spiritual, you know, practices or terms or a spiritual way of life or a solution or to even do the rest of the steps um, until we are completely hopeless, you know. That's, why, that's why Avi, like, he, I remember he, you were explaining to me how, like, when you go to um, Park Place and you're like, what's your plan when you get out? 
What's your plan? They're like, oh, that's stupid. All right, all right, I tried yeah, that. No, I tried yeah, that. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. what I do is when I go to Park Place, which is a treatment center, okay. right? And we're all sitting around yeah, in a group. Everybody wants their list and of so, what they're going to do. And, and so I go, okay, you know, when it gets quiet, I'm like, all right, it's boring now. Let's let's start asking people questions. So I ask this guy, hey, uh, when you get out of here, what's the first thing you're going to do? What are you going to do when you get out of here? What's your yeah. plan? How are you yeah. going to get sober? Okay. And then they'll say something like, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to move to my mom's house where I'm like, three blocks away from my drug dealer, not one block. <laughs> I'm going to work harder. And then, all right, that's a stupid plan. Next. Uh, well, I'm going to get, I got this new job lined up and I'm going to buy this puppy. That's a stupid plan. Next. My wife. And I, I go through all of them waiting to hear one person say, I'm going to work the steps. And we hardly ever get it. I'm going to work the steps because I'm chasing a spiritual awakening, which will be sufficient to bring about a psychic change that will relieve me of the obsession to use. So I will never want it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, you you never really hear that, but that's okay because when I was sitting in those seats, which was often in those last twenty three years, nobody who wants to work the steps. I mean, who even wants a spiritual experience? That's the thing. The yeah. pitch, like, oh, the pitch okay. of hey, you need a spiritual experience. Yeah, yeah, that's what to, I, you know, to, uh, I'm like, well, I don't, uh, this, who's this, looking for a spiritual Jesus experience? <laughs> yeah, it's know? a complete I, lifestyle change. You know, a change of everything. You know, yeah. yeah. We're used Why to is that. it so weird? Why it, it's wild, right? Because I, I think you're right. It's not just atheists, not just agnostics. I think sometimes even people. That Come out of religious background. The idea of sitting in a room and going, the answer is something I can't produce. I have to have this thing outside of myself. Why is that so humbling? It's so weird. I don't know what. It, what's our pride? I feel like with because that? We, uh, I mean, for so long there hasn't been like any clear cut directions on how God's going to work. Right. You know, like, but it's just, to, it's so weird. It's like all of us deal with it at some level. I think it, I don't know of any Christians, any Jews, any Muslims that wouldn't admit this at some level that like there is so much in us that just resists the idea of like, dude, don't forget, you're you're not the creator. You're created, and you have to answer to the creator. Like, there's something outside of yo, yeah, that's bigger than yo, yeah. Right. I, I think we just live in a society that feeds us and tells us that. We are the shit. You know what I mean? Or, or that, and we're we, already we turned in on ourselves. Right, yeah, yeah. right. So it doesn't take much. That's right. Right to That's convince right. us. You know, it, yeah. it's it's really, really, a, it's really a tough sell. If you think about it, and yeah. and the thing is that's, that that's everyone. Why, so like that's why that's where we come into place. Like we're bearing witness to what God has done in our lives. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I was going to say that final step, right? That there's, there's, uh, right? what's that? Step twelve, right? Step twelve is as a result of yeah. of doing these steps, we have a spiritual awakening. So and we want to pass it on to yeah, other people. You're, you're bearing witness at that right? point. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, you have a very, um, you know, select audience, and and that audience that want like we can't just grab people under the bridge. That are, you know, drunk or high and be like, hey, we had this amazing dream. You can have it too. You won't get high anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, Come with me, you know? Take that trench coat off. Sit down with me and let's talk about it. They're not interested in that. You know, yeah. you got to get somebody at the right time with their minds cleared. It actually talks about in the doctor's opinion. We got to clear their minds so a definite hospital stay may be needed, right? right? We got to clear up their minds before you can even take on these ideas that you have a spiritual malady. And even then, look, I'm, I mean, I'm not, 
I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm also not an idiot. I never lived under the bridge. So whenever I'd come back to treatment centers or go to AA meetings, they would pitch the spiritual side of things. And I just wasn't ready to hear it. You know, I just was not ready to hear that. And I can see myself even as a religious person, not ready to hear that because I want to believe and I want to understand my disease through the lens of science, through the lens of all the other fixes that there may be in the world that fix everything else. I mean, it has to be something else. If you have, you know, if you have depression, you go get a pill. Yeah. Right. If you have cancer, you go see the oncologist. Yeah. You know, if you have this disease, right? We all accept it as a disease. There should be something that science, pro- pro- you know, provides. Yeah. And the truth is, when you go to those treatment centers as psychologists and psychiatrists, and they'll tell you like, "Hey, we need to meet you once a week." Right. You know, a lot of those people we I ask, circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those people that I ask, well, what are you going to do when you get out of here? How are you going to stay sober? Well, I'm going to come to the therapist once a week. I'm going to do outpatient, which is all cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. based. Right now, that never worked for me. Never did a thing for me. And I've never sat down in a psychiatrist or psychologist's office. You know, like maybe been in the waiting room like for one. No, at, well, besides that, but <laughs> sitting in the waiting room at a psychologist's office. Have you ever met someone that was like, "Oh yeah, no, I used to smoke crack every day or do heroin every day," but you know, finding out. You know, the traumas in my childhood, that changed everything. Now I don't want to get high anymore. You know, that's never happened. never happened. I've never seen anyone stay right. sober right. with psychology or psychiatry. And I'm not dogging those yeah. fields, those sciences, those disciplines. They have their value. But in terms of this thing, and what I was trying to say is this is the only thing I know is how to help people. Right. You know, if I didn't have AA or I wasn't a drug addict, I would not be going out there and putting blankets on homeless people. I'm just yeah. not that kind of guy. Yeah. I'm not a scumbag. Yeah. But, you know, that's just not the kind of guy I am. This gave me a vehicle by which I could become a better person and actually serve others. You know, like Axel yeah. said, now I have a place in the okay. world to do good you, things. You know what helped me convince, like, uh, what helped convince me uh, that this program was going to work for me? When, like, I realized that they weren't getting paid to help me. Yeah. When, when I don't know if you know uh, Phil, like, the, yeah. the guy who first brought yeah. me in, yeah. who took me in. Like, this yeah. guy didn't know me from a hole in the wall. I met him sitting on a stool at the at the West Side Club, and I asked him for me to give me a ride to the to the abandoned house where I had my stuff at because it was going to rain that night, and I didn't want to I don't want to sleep underneath the little awning that they had in the back. Yeah. And he was like, okay. He tricked me. <laughs> like he was like he thought I thought it was he was gonna drop me off you know in my mind I'm like all right I'm gonna get closer to the west side of the, of Kissimmee so I can get some some dope over there you know and like I was already this is my third day I, I wasn't really sure my mom still wasn't letting me in and then he just drove right past the house he was like. I'm not going to take you to that abandoned house. I'm from New York, man. When we used to go to abandoned houses, it's because we used to go get high. Do you want my help or not? And I'm like, look, I'm not just an alcoholic. I'm a crackhead. I'm going to steal from you. He's like, I don't think you're going to steal from me. He's Total like, hey. altruism. Yeah. yeah. He's, I'm like, I'm like, this showed me. I'm like, yo, this guy who doesn't know me is willing to bring me, this crackhead who steals from my mom, into his house where his, his grandkids are and his son. I was like, yo... That touched me in a way to where I was like, you know what? Maybe these people are for real. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the lack of profit motive definitely yeah. is, is uh Yeah. It's the, it's the right setting. You know. Yeah. No, I got it. And that's why maybe there's people, you know, it's it's hard to I would imagine someone in your position mm-hmm. and you basically have the same primary purpose and directive, which yeah. is bring about a spiritual experience in people and have them maintain it through God, you yeah. know, through the church, yeah. through the teachings of Jesus, yeah. you know, and I bet there's people who will turn their minds off to anything that you might say just because uh, there is 
some money element to having these things, yeah. you know, to having to having a facility, yeah. let's say. And in Alcoholics Anonymous, they they created a system by which there is no profit motive, not just from the people in it, but just to keep the thing going. It's just totally on our yeah. own donations. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so that certainly but helps. But it is always interesting to me. I, I, I 100% agree with you. And I 100% agree that the 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 formation and the the continued stability of AA exists on the uh, on the non professionalized non profit motive simple idea altruistic. altruistic idea it's it's what makes it what it is it's what makes it great I have nothing against it right I'm all for it but it is interesting. That? that somebody has to pay for these buildings that hell you guys meet in. Don't forget. Right. There's a bunch of like uh, believers out there that are like, hey, this isn't ours. This is God's place and we'll let anybody meet here. Yeah. You know, I was always funny because I remember I'm, the first person we ever let meet here, we have multiple meetings here during the week, but the first person we ever had meet here was, uh, you know, um, uh, Mike and Megan. Mm-hmm. Mike, yeah, came, yeah, yeah. Mike came to me and he's like, he came, it was so funny because he came, he's after work. He works for Toho. So he came to me after work and he was like, kind of like dressed up and he had like this paper and he's like, hey, I'd like to meet with you. We, we're interested in hosting this meeting. He had this whole thing, the script of what they do. And I, I literally took the paper and I go, Mike, listen, I don't need this. I'm not going to read this. Here's your keys. Good luck. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is not my building. And I'm like, if you guys rob the place, okay, whatever. I'm like, this is yours as much as it is mine or anybody else's here. God bless you. Meet here as much as you want. Yeah. You know what I'm no, but today, my my yeah. view is today of, let's say, a church yeah. or a synagogue yeah. is get that money as much as you can yeah. and pool it yeah. and, and have it for yeah. these it spiritual experiences. It should that be we a community want. good. Yeah, yes, now I see it that yeah. way. But there's plenty of people yeah. in the world no, that, I agree that look and at it. There's plenty of churches that don't make it a community good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I'm, all, I'm constantly complaining about churches that, uh, like, my, my big beef is like these churches will go out and build a gym and then nobody gets to play in it. Like, it's constantly empty. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, guys, this gym sits empty all day long. Why'd you build it? You know what I'm saying? Or like, whatever it is, you know, I'm like, guys, I want this place full. If I could fill this place up at night, all night long in the hours, I'd I'd have it filled up every day, all day long. It should be a community good. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But is that the way you look at, by the way, you know, going back to spiritual experiences and maintaining them, is that the way, when you wake up in the morning, is that your primary directive? Is that I want to make sure that, what do you call them? Parishioners? I don't don't know. What do you call them? Uh, members, church members, members whatever. My, I want. I want to instill. I want to help to facilitate and instill a spiritual experience in my members, and and then keep that going in them. Is yeah. that what you're trying to do? Sure. I mean, we. Be, I mean, think about it. We're we're saying from the very beginning. We're saying we believe that the connection with God, the spiritual awakening, whatever you want to call it, spiritual awakening, spiritual relationship, the connection with God, the faith in in Christ uh, to, to connect with God, that all of that is at the very foundation of what changes everyone's life and worldview and shapes them towards this, out of this like curved in on themselves and back out to the way they were created to be and created to live, right? And none of us are perfect and none of us do it there's not a system that creates that perfectness, but by his, God's love and grace working together. That's what I love about like AA too. Like the first word of the first step is we, right? Right. It's we. 
It's not I. Yeah. Is that true? Is that, that yeah. what it says? Yes. Yeah. Thing? Okay. The first word is we. Yeah. Don't you know? <laughs> Why do you always ask me? I'm just, and it, and I, and I, I love it for what you Ask said. Him. You taught me something the first time <laughs> we started to talk about it. You, or it was it was one of our discussions where you guys reminded me. It was like, hey, don't forget. These aren't rules. This is a group. Uh, 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 this is Bill writing out of a group that says, we, these hundred people, did these things and this worked. Right. right? Yeah, the this first, was our experience and it worked, but it was collective first experience. Edition, it was sure. communal experience. Yep. Right? And I believe that that's I believe that that's what the first what supports right the change too is that people come out of a, people have a spiritual change not by themselves, but in community, right? That there's some level of community connection to it, right? Yeah, yeah. That it that's supported in a sense of community. It's I don't think it's possible to have a spiritual experience except for the white light experiences but for most people the experiences are not born out of a vacuum right they're born out of the fellowship that yeah. presents us with a guide yeah. on how to do this thing and when we do that thing with those people around us to support right. us and show us yeah that's when we have this spirit there's experience. always a community aspect to it a communal aspect to it right meaning yeah. that sure there's personal devotion personal connection personal spiritual relationship but that is never like enough to sustain that there's always a communal, like the corporate gathering, the connection of people of faith or like mind that are working on these same things, these yeah. same spiritual. It's experience. almost a natural thing that if you're having a spiritual experience or you're living by spiritual principles, you're no longer curved in on yourself. Right. So you're, with so you're welcoming yes. people into you're your life. There you, you know, go. By nature, it there happens. There you go. You right? know? There you go. It's beautiful. And for, for me, it was kind of a little different because I had a spiritual experience like in my room by myself. Right. And that's the first time, like, I really felt God's presence, you know. Yeah. And was that an acid or was that? No, that was sober. sober. But that's what I'm Maybe saying. Like, I'm, I'm, psychosis, I'm, but I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not saying that there isn't individual persons. I'm yeah. saying that, that when you look at the whole picture over the whole run, that that experience is always supported and grows and flourishes in community. It always yeah. connects with other people. Right. That's, and that's what that's what I had to learn, too, because. I was like the type that like I just want to be in solitude with God right. and that's how I get close to God. Yeah. But I had I have and I'm still learning to be around other people and to, you know, yeah. fellowship with people and it it comes both ways, yeah. you know. So yeah. there's a connection there. Yeah. Well, there's a spirituality in communing with others, you know, yeah. being with others. Did you yeah. find it more comfortable being in a church setting or did you find it more comfortable being in a recovery setting when you first started going um, which communal experience felt more comfortable to you? Um, in the beginning, yeah. recovery, yeah. you know. Because you're, sh- you're having a shared experience with people having the that's same shared experience. Yeah. 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 That's natural. Right? That's, 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 that's what I would say, right? The most yeah, and important. scumbags like us, too. It's, like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's the nice. most important. <laughs> this group is a great group. I didn't well, even know that, like, going to meetings and being honest and sharing with people – and like helping people, I didn't know it was spiritual. Right, like you just thought that's what we do. Yeah, right? you didn't even know. Like nobody even said like, I just oh, these didn't want to die. We're doing. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, like the most important aspect of this is yeah. the identification. Like, like without identification, then we can't get to a, a point where we're at step one. Right. I'm like, all right. I couldn't look honestly. I couldn't come to God unless I heard a couple motherfuckers. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if they didn't, if they didn't curse at all, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like these guys are fake. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> like I, I had a, I Can you throw in a couple in there yeah. when you're doing your thing on Sundays? Yeah, <laughs> it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. 
maybe a, like, maybe like a, heard heard fuck and God in the same sentence. I'm like, these are my people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think there's a reality to that, right? Like, that there's a need to feel at home and connected and have your group and and have a shared spiritual experience. Definitely, yeah. and and the fact that when when you're with others, that is like branching out to be with others, calling people, even calling your sponsor. These are all spiritual acts. I didn't understand that early on, right. but I had a sponsor tell me, you know, calling your sponsor is a spiritual act, yeah. right? Going to a meeting is a spiritual act. Yeah. Vulnerability, um, yeah. uh, honesty, transparency, humbleness, all those things are spiritual yeah. virtues. And that's totally. and it takes probably all four or five of those to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, I'm struggling right now. Right. So like, yeah. so, so, yep. so like, that's why my approach, right? What I do is, um, I'll, I'll grab somebody like, for Abby, for instance, right? I'm like, all right, let's go to the gym, you know, and I'll start telling him about my resentments, yeah. and then I'll tell him how I messed up in my resentments, and I'll start telling him some secrets about me, yeah. and I'll start identifying with him. And I'm like, all right, so getting him to be like, you know what, I, you know what, you know, like yeah. connect, we connect that on a, uh, on such a a great level that like now we're like really, really close friends. Yeah. You know, I, that's how it was. Um, it works, you know, like I'm, I'm like opening them up to like, I'm like secretly taking them through. I secretly take a lot of people through the steps, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, and that's kind of what we're, we, what we're doing with Ray right now. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're opening up, like sharing, like that's how the fist step works, you mm -hmm. know, like admitting a certain aspects of our lives that nobody knows about and they're like yo this guy is willing to tell me these things about himself right you know what i'm like it kind of like makes me feel bad if i don't say anything right. you know yeah like the guy who took me through the steps i thought was gonna judge me the most right and then like when um when i was willing i was like you know what you know i don't want a gun pointed in my face again i'm just gonna tell this guy you know i had some gay experiences yeah. you know and I'm like, when I, when he told me he had some gay experiences too, I was like, oh, okay. So this guy who I thought was gonna judge me, yeah, because I like yeah. the the real underlying fear fear behind every one of my resentments and everything is the fear of being alone. Yeah, like I'm scared, you know, like and the fact of of, of me not believing in um in God and believing in myself and like my manageability yeah. right? in that aspect, I am totally atheist because I'm thinking that. I can manage my life, yeah. you know, and then like in this, like this lie or whatever I'm going to say, it's like, I'm going to wind up alone again. And I should be scared, yeah. you know, because what have I always done? I ran my life into the ground every single time I had been relying on myself. Yeah. You know? No. Well said. Well said. There's always a deeper thing. That I don't think people really think about that. Step one, that there's a reason why it's so hard. Cause I think to get down to that deep, that deep level, most people, I know. I know people have been sitting in church for 20 years and that never dealt with that. Never really dealt with why, the why to the problem. Yeah, they just, unfortunately, they don't have like, the, con I, they're not blessed enough to have drive. the consequences <laughs> that would force them. <laughs> to have to face it? To face, you know, is to that, face. Is that where the whole rock bottom, yeah. like, like, like AA lingo comes in? Like there's got to be a rock bottom sometimes? You're not going to get help if you don't think you need it. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, having a low mm, level. Somebody clip that. That's a good clip. Yeah. Let's make it a bumper sticker or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's the beginning of the, of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. I mean, the thing with your dad's girlfriend in the wheelchair was great, but that was pretty good. <laughs> Can you say it one more time? <laughs> say it again. How did it go? No. <laughs> I said, you're not going to get help if you don't think you need it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple, it's a simple truth, isn't it? Right. Sometimes if you think you can manage your own life and you and you're pretty much like from a worldly standard, from an expectation standard of the people around you managing your own life, then why would you ever seek to understand the the bigger issue? That's why on and how it works is like a lot of people don't understand like the first part of how it works. It's so important. Right. Like it talks about us being constitutionally incapable and being of being honest with ourselves. Right. So in my constitution, everybody has a set of bylaws. We have a constitution, a set of principles that we live by, yeah. right? In that constitution, says, don't be honest with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lie like, to yourself. And then, like, and I'm, I'm naturally like that, you know? Like, and I'm like, and you know what? I'm not going to believe that that's the way it is because I'm just, it's just set in my bylaws. Yeah. Like, it, where is it? On page 50, 58. So... Right here is this. Rarely have we seen a person who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to the simple program. Usually men and women, usually women, but um, I'm just oh, <laughs> here we go. Usually men here and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. They are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they had the capacity to be honest. So it's not being honest with ourselves. It's like, if I can't be honest with myself, but I can be honest with him, I mean, I can, I have a chance to recover. Okay. I got a question. When when you have a uh, a member and they come to you and they're needing help mm-hmm. for, you know, I don't know what the issue yeah. is, but, you know, I mean, what's the most common issue that you get these Marital. days? Marital issues. Mm-hmm. And it's... Are there issues where they're like, I can't stop doing this, 100%. right? Whether it's infidelity yeah. or pornography, we yeah. know that's a big one 100%. in society and certainly in my life too. You know, what's what's your pitch? What's the solution for them? Uh, I guess it depends on it depends on the circumstances. Every circumstance is a little different, but um, my pitch is it, it it's it basically shadows what you guys are constantly doing, right? Which is, hey, let's go back and let's talk about why we're here, right? What's what's underneath all of this, right? What's driving all of this? You know what I mean? Let's find that out first. Right. Because there's no way to like – like take porn, for example. There's no way to just white – usually a, a hardcore porn user is not white-knuckling their way to like stopping. And there's a bunch of things you can do. Like I, I, I do a bunch of protective things. Like there's, there's software now you can put on your phone. There's software you can put on your computers. There's all this traffic really? stuff. Yeah, accountability okay. stuff like okay. that. And I do. I mean, I encourage that, those kind of things. I mean, I, sure. I use those things. I encourage those things and other guys that are trying to get out of this pattern. But at the end of the day, like those are all addressing the symptom, right? And they're not really addressing what the underlying deal is, right? And so usually that's. Usually that's some sort of like um, – you can call it talk therapy. You could call it like you know cognitive therapy. You can call it counseling. You can call it just – I like to just call it a cup of coffee and a conversation. But we, if we start talking long enough, we get to the bottom of it at some point. If we start talking long enough, it's like what's driving this? Do you know and do saying? we get to that same core 
that I had to take 23 years to learn that there's a spiritual component to this and there's something missing there. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, Like you dig deep enough, it'll, you you will not find a a medical problem. You'll find a spiritual problem. You'll find something deeper that undergirds all of those other things. And once we get down there and they see it for what it is, then their, the answers become spiritual. Their path becomes spiritual and it becomes a lot easier, but and the, and then all those other things, all those little like uh, whether we want to call them accountability issues, tricks issues, all the other like support group, uh, accountability software, uh, checking in, all all that stuff becomes extremely beneficial once they know what the real problem is. Right, right. But Bef- all that other stuff that's band aid on a broken leg. Yep. It's until useless. they know what. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like one of the hardest things that uh, like one of the hardest areas of my life that is been still to this day like where i'm like you know what god i'm like i had to be convinced to let you in right yeah. is sex yeah you know like i'm like god has taken me from being homeless not homeless having a job traveling the world or traveling the country to like relying on him to like quitting my job there's been times where i had nothing you know mm-hmm. still been had all my bills paid yeah and i'm like all right, financially, I'm like, all right, God, you're you're in that cigarette's gone, you know, like every, all those. But then, like when it comes to like, that's why we were when we were talking about like um, mm-hmm. relationships last year. I'm like, man, I'm like, I was so willing, right? And it's like, and then at, it was it was so easily pushed aside when I saw like somebody I was interested. I'm <laughs> my, like, my boy yeah, was forgot completely. <laughs> I'm like, right out like, the door. He was like, I met this girl and we are, we've moved in. We're, anyway, that's, my, that's my thing I always say. I say, you know, Axel and, because I would introduce them. You know, I just, Axel and Axel's girlfriend, they met on Thursday. This, this is true. This is a true story. I swear. I'm at the gym with Axel on a Thursday and he's like, oh, this girl came into uh, the tattoo shop yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, we might go on a date. All right, cool. Someday they went on a date. Maybe it was Friday, right? Yeah, Friday. On Tuesday, we're working out, and he's like, hey, um, we need a place to live. <laughs> you, can we? Is your wife renting out a room? And I was like, you're moving in with her. I met her on a Thursday, moving in with her on a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, and then and, they moved uh, out on my like, Thursday. You, new you remember the first thing I was like, "Yo, I'm, I'm thinking like we're gonna, I'm, how about we just remember I told you I'm like I'm, we're just gonna not have sex until we're married." Bro, I, I, I remember all of it because no, the whole time no, I was in there, look, going, I have, look, I have really? been, look, like most of the, most of the, uh, last year, I have been uh, on a um, white knuckling, no porn, no no masturbation, nothing. Yeah. You know. Are you are, yeah. when you hear this when you hear this as a person outside of it? Because I'm sure you've I'm sure you've had to tell stories like this to somebody else, and yeah. they've, they've been like, "Really? Sure." Uh, so when you're outside of it and you hear this, do your eyes roll? You when know, you tell your story, or do you try to take a real you know, straight face? Like, right, like, uh, you try to keep like it together. What like did this, I say? I'm like this. I'm like God. <laughs> I'm gonna let you into this this area of my life. And then this girl walked in. <laughs> I tried. I was like, really? You're going to move in with her? You just went out there? Are you serious, Axel? You know, with like a big smile on my face. like, yeah. I was like, uh, all right. But, uh, really? I tried maybe humor, you know, like laughing yeah. through it. Like for him to say, wait, why is this guy laughing so much? <laughs> but uh, it didn't it. work. Like, didn't work. I love like, it. The humor actually did the opposite effect. I'm like, you know, it's a great idea. Yeah, no. But listen, <laughs> you, you know. Relation. We got to do a first step. Oftentimes, as I'm learning now, yeah. I just had uh, I just reached a year for the first time in my life earlier in the month. Good for you. Yep. Thanks. And now the drug isn't so much the thing that's dominating my recovery yeah. anymore. Now 
I have the wherewithal to actually see the other things in my life. Mm. Certainly pornography is mm. a big one. Yeah. You know, and um, and I need to do a first step. First of all, it needs to be objectionable enough for me to get yep. to the point where I'll do a first step with right. it. It's getting there, yeah. but the pain has you know, to I, get great enough. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's the thing is, like, uh, what kind of pain? What kind? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what kind of pain? Because you know, what do you mean, pain? Like from? I mean, like, like overly masturbating, where, like, that kind of pain. <laughs> like, what? That's, what, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's where I'm like, how can? <laughs> How can the pain become great enough to where you're willing to have this be removed? Well, that's when you when you get more and more sane. So what I'm discovering is that <laughs> as so we crazy. achieve more and more sanity, we can actually look at lesser and lesser evils that cause less and less consequences. Let's just call it pornography. It's, it's not killing me, but now with more sanity returning or just coming to my to my my myself for the first time in my life i can look at it and say this is not a good thing i want to change this yeah, you know? yeah i think can you look at it um does it help to look at it through that lens of what we were talking about earlier like the turned in on yourself like there's a component of of pornography that that's the that's the weird component right it's yeah like it's not just like okay it's titillating it's enticing there's a there's an, a, a quick release all that kind of stuff but it's the ultimate selfish form of our sexuality it's basically saying look i can i can self-sustain yeah and so to 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 a to a person inside a relationship right it's basically saying this relationship is always a little optional because i could go on and take care of myself (laughs) do you you see what i'm saying yeah and so there's always something in the relationship that's not fully I need you. Right. I'm being right. vulnerable with you. Yeah. I, you I have never to be my partner. That that I have to have you. Right. You that's have deep to fulfill right there. This I, I never even thought of it right. that way. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, no. That's good. <laughs> Do you use that on other members? <laughs> I, I, listen. <laughs> have you used my that? first rodeo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you talked about this before. This <laughs> ain't my first rodeo. I, I see so. a book right. in your future, yeah. buddy. That's right. a good one. Right. For me, like, I, I struggle with pornography, like, most of my sobriety, like, you know, especially the first like nine years. years. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like there's there's points where like I was like almost like I was suicidal. Yeah. You know, because I felt so guilty. So horribly. But yeah. I think um the thing is it's like for me, like I had I'm growing spiritually yeah. and I become more aware and like aware of like God's ideals. And like I get as time goes on, I become more and more convicted of certain things and I can't get away with them like I used to because right. it, you know, so it's either it violates the spiritual yeah, side. The so like God either I let God change me or I go back to either drinking or committing suicide right. or, you know, in the nut right, board or right, whatever. Right. That, like, that's what I meant by like, the more sane I become, the more aware I am like, Oh, this is not a good thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it was but a lot easier before more. just to give it a pass. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. And we don't. And, and you, here's here's the thing. Usually, like like you've said this a number of times, when it's a drug, especially a drug like heroin, usually like the the feedback of hitting your head against the wall is very quick. Porn, it's not like that. Porn, you can like you said, you can be in a porn pattern for six, seven years and not be feeling like these dramatic effects. Right. The like heroin is like you in the yeah, face. it's not hitting you so fast, but it will over long periods of time erode relationship. It will change your thinking. It will, you know, like I got, I, I, I'm not saying this is scary, but I got guys that, um, I deal with guys that are forties, uh, fifties that have been in a real pattern, and they get to a place of almost complete impotence. 
where like oh totally get yeah, that yeah. yeah totally get that yeah and they don't realize they've done it to them so it's happened so slowly right they what what they what's Can't happened is oh. what's what's happened is that they've they've turned their mind into uh, needing this type of stimulation right you know think and, about think about like really like you're like you're in a, you're married you've got a child you're trying to build a life all that kind of stuff think about what happens is you're going back to this thing um, like pornography and you're training your mind that the only thing that's attractive to me is a 20 year old that looks a very specific way. That's not my category, but, but yeah, you know, I got you. you. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> well, tell them about the, no, but you know what I'm saying? You, you train your mind to this thing, right? 100%. And, and then all of a sudden you can't enjoy the arc of your relationship to this person that you say you love because they're going to grow old. And so are you. Right. And all of a sudden you can't enjoy that because you're trained your mind that this is the only thing that I, yep. that I can sexually release off of. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that takes, that takes years to do the damage. That's but why it it's so hard. That's why it's so hard to see it in the moment. So what's the solution for these guys in there for I'm not asking for me. What are those solutions? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking for my friend. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. They, they're burying the, the law. That, that's a person that's burying the, the really harsh consequences. And the, like they, that's a, it would be the same exact thing as a person who's just coming out of like rehab for the fifth time for heroin addiction, right? Right. They're, they've now real, but the consequences are really bad. And they take all, because pornography works the way it does, it takes a long time to get in the consequences. It takes mm -hmm. a long time to get, to out. get out. Yeah. And for me, it was like, all right, like, cause the world, the worldly view of like pornography to me, in my mind was like, it's okay. Or like everyone watches it or like all my friends watch it. Yeah. But, and then I was like, well, you know, what's wrong with me? How come every time I watch it, I, you know, I feel like so ashamed and yeah. feel like, you know, terrible. And yeah. I just had to realize I'm not like everyone else, you know right. what I mean? And, yeah. but, and then like, I, I still feel like I'm feeling the effects of it, you know, even though like, I don't know how long it's been since I stopped, you know, yeah. every once in a while I get tempted or here and there, but, yeah. um, I still, I, I could see how it was affecting my relationship with my wife yeah, and like just trying to be intimate and stuff like yeah. that. And just how I view people and even relationships with my friends and stuff, because yeah. if I'm always full of shame, think about, think guilt, about, think about this, like, let me give you another example. Maybe you're good at this. I don't know. It, it depends. Like Probably, everybody's good at everything. people are different on this, but I, I'd say this to guys all the time. And I think guys need to hear this a lot. I'm like your spouse, like, your spouse should be your partner, right? And so you should be having really, really open, detailed conversations about what sexual fulfillment should look like in that marriage. And you should, she should be your confidant. There should be openness. There should be clarity. There should be really detailed conversations, like, like, detailed conversations about what, you, what, you, what you need, what you want, what, what the levels are, what all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but what porn does is it. It takes that conversation away because you're like, I'll just take care of this over here. I'm ashamed to have that conversation with you. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Sure. And so then all of a sudden there's this thing in your relationship that should be celebrated and it should be one of the highest forms of intimacy in your relationship. And now you've removed it from her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she's not your partner in this area anymore. Oh, yeah, you're having sex, but it's not the same. 
right? There's not this 100% openness, like, I need you. This is what needs to happen. Can we have this? You know what I'm saying? Totally. And she feels like a partner with you, right? Right. That's taken away. And all of a sudden, and you may, look, maybe you'll, maybe you'll have a 10-year, 20-year, 30-year, 50-year marriage. And maybe it'll still work to some extent, but it never be what it was totally meant to be, right? And what it really could be if there was true openness and true, like, partnership, right, in that area. So, so you know, um, that... What he was talking about, he was he treated it like a six and seven, like a step six and seven, yeah. step six and seven, yeah. because like he's already been one, two, three, four, five. He's already seen how it was objectionable in his life. You know, yeah. he's already admitted those. Yeah. Now I he's become. I don't real. have the power to stop it. Either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so yeah. So then he's, um, at, like praying for the willingness, becoming willing, and then asking God to remove it. That's yeah. the six and seven. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The. You know, my creator, I pray that you have all all of me, the good and the bad. I pray now that you remove every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is you think you need a certain thing and you think that's making you happy or your life without it mm-hmm. isn't going to be happy or you can't see a happy or joyful life. But like, like when these things or, you know, got removed from me. My life is so much better now. Like, I feel so much better. Yeah. You know? I did that with cigarettes. Like, uh, I was like, all right, God, I enjoy my cigarettes in the morning after I eat and at night throughout the day. But if it stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows, make it apparent to me, yeah. you know. And then I would have, like, visions of me, like, not being there for my kids in the long run, not being right. able to do certain things. Or me dying short of, like, what I'm like. Or me not being able to carry this message as long as he would want me to. Right. You know, so then I would, and then eventually just one day it just was removed. Yeah. You know, and, um, coming to a, to an understanding that I need to do that with that too. is just like, I have to redo a whole bunch of different things, you know, not to harp on porn, but the the thing, the thing about, (laughs) but I was was just thinking about it, you know, removing the obsession or having the obsession relieved from alcoholism or drug addiction. That's one thing because we don't really want it or have it in our lives. There's no healthy version for us yeah. of of alcohol or of drug addiction, especially with my drug of choice. Nobody uses heroin like a gentleman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not going to find someone yeah. who's controlling their 100%. heroin use. But when it comes to pornography, you know, sexuality is an important part of our lives in our relationships, should be for the rest of our lives, mm-hmm. you know. And with the Think advent. about it as compared to like, um, like eating. Eating, right, right. That's a great analogy. So overeating and and people that yep. are that are using eating as a drug or as a compensation for of heartache or pain or trauma or insecurity or anything else or shopping, any of those things. It's the same thing. Which have to be, in my opinion, more difficult to kick or I think to so. you know than than heroin, which sounds yeah. Kind most of crazy. people, will, most people will say yeah, that. Yeah, like, more. <laughs> most people will say that like sex addiction and sex and sex addicts. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a really, really, it's a really, really dark thing. Yeah. yeah. Like nobody knows about it. Yeah. You know, what's just a quick little story. I have to say, but on, on Friday night, I went to Shabbos, which is like Sabbath mm-hmm, services. Sure. And uh, there was a guy there who will obviously remain nameless. And I, I heard about this guy that he's in S and A. Yeah. Sex, Sexaholics Anonymous. Sexaholics Anonymous. Right. And so I was like, oh, hey, I heard about you. I'm in, I'm in AA. And, you know, I didn't mention that, that I knew that he was yeah. in. But every time 
that when we were talking to a third person, he would make a sexual joke, like a joke. He's like, I know him because of, and he, you know, he said these lewd comments. And each time I was like, this guy, <laughs> how long has this guy been in this program? Because, you know, it was like. I don't think he's been in long enough. Yeah, you know, yeah. every time, it was like four times, you yeah. know. And I called our buddy, you know, the guy that I that knows him, and I was like, hey, does this guy always make these weird comments? He's like, yes, he yeah. makes all these weird, lewd sexual comments. Yeah, I had a client come in. Uh, she was gonna get tatted, but she ended up getting a piercing. Right, so I'm I'm gonna tattoo her on Friday. My piercer came after after she left. She goes, he goes, bro, she's an SA two. I'm like, what do you mean? He's he's like, she was like, yo, you went, you got so quick that it's like, like if you would have, you know, put me in. The, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say what you said, <laughs> but I'm, yeah, like, be- yeah, it's like you did it so quick, you could have just did this too. I'm like, what? She said that. She was like, he was like, yeah. Mm. It's wow. like she like damn near got naked in the, in the piercer room. <laughs> like, wow, might be a good place for single guys to oh, go boy. to the SA meetings. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think there is a group of guys that are probably <laughs> showing probably up. Too, yeah. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past. Like, you just gotta uh, Google anyway. it. Oh, All right, oh, that's as far as we can go for today. I feel like if we go any further, we're yeah, destined okay. to get in trouble. So, uh, <laughs> thank you guys tremendously for your input. I think. Uh, I think there was some really deep stuff we covered today. Um, and I appreciate you guys being vulnerable and, and sharing. It was great. Thank you. Thanks. Pastor. All right. Y'all be good. Love Thank you, man. Buddy.